holy crap, we're live. Yes, we are. It works. Yes. Thank you for joining us at Legends of Tabletop this wonderful evening. Would you care to introduce yourself? I am Peter Rollick, alcoholic. I mean, no, and this is my dog. <laughs> um, uh, writer, um, writer, editor, gamer when I have the spare time, dabbler in comic book history and madness. An all-around crazy guy. Crazy guy. Wild and crazy guy. That's right. So, um, what have you been working on recently? Uh, for the last, let's see, two years, I have been working on a sequel to uh, my novel, Reanimatrix. Uh, Reanimatrix dealt with um, uh, my one character, Robert Peasley, uh, discovering a dead body of a girl he knows uh, in Arkham and, and picking up her murder case and moving into her house and falling in love with her memory. Uh, the problem is when she turns up alive again, um, how, how does that play out? It's a kind of homage to uh, the movie Laura, uh, directed by Otto Preminger. Um, but this is Arkham, so dead people aren't quite always dead. Um, so that's re that was Reanimatrix. The sequel is titled um, uh, The Eldritch Equations and Other Cases because Robert and Megan have gotten together and they have opened up with their third per partner, a detective agency in Arkham. And their first major case is the serial murder of mathematics students at Miskatonic University. My goodness, I can think of that wonderfully tying in with another classic tale that we all know and love. Yes, and, and that's exactly what it does. Um, somebody is killing um, Professor Upham's students one by one, uh, and the cops think it's um, a... Uh, all, they're all accidents, but mm -hmm. uh, Frank Elwood, you know, he's a mathematician. So he's like, wait, the probabilities of this is, aren't likely. This is the, and he uses the term, it's a probability of murder. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if all these people are dying in my class, that it just doesn't happen. So he seeks out professional help. Um, and it bridges the gap between Reanimatrix and the Weird Company. So, you know, it sets up uh, both Elwood and Asnith Wait for their the parts they will play in The Weird Company. Okay. So, equal to Reanimatrix and a prequel to The Weird Company. So, so that's where it fits in the timeline. Yes. Yes. And if you think that I'm just shoving this in to make it fit, I will 
throw you back to the closing epilogue of Reanimators, where I say that Robert Peasley and his wife, Megan Halsey, are missing. Mm -hmm. I have been planning this from the beginning. Okay. Uh, I, I've always wanted to take these two characters with this place. And uh, I know a lot of people have wanted to see these characters do this. And uh, this also sets up for another book in the series, which will essentially be, re be the return of the Weird Company. <laughs> in one last adventure. They have, room, they have time for one last adventure before they all die. <sighs> so we're going to pull that off. So that's the big thing I've been working on. Um, the other things that I've been working on is a collection of short stories, uh, reprints of all my work. Well, not all my work, some, some of my work uh, from Hinnom and Gahana, or Gahana and Himnon, sorry. And um, that is going to be called uh, Strange Company, um, which is a rift off of um, my story, The Strange Company, but also... A, there was a publisher called The Strange Company uh, that published a lot of weird fiction um, in the Midwest in the 70s and 80s, I think. So <laughs> a little homage there. Um, we've dug through all my stuff, and we divided it into three sections. There's my straight, straight mythos tales. There's a section of, of tales that are set in alternate worlds like steampunk or a world where the undead took over. Um, and then there's a section of non-mythos stuff. Um, some of my early works um, on the far side of the apocalypse, a few other tales like that. A uh, little science fiction, a little fantasy, a little horror. I think there's a story about werewolves in there called The Bitch. Nice. Um, so, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's... it's um, Annabelle and the Bitch. So, okay. A uh, riff on uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that. Um, I just counted up these today. I have 10 stories waiting to be published, three poems waiting to be published, three stories waiting for approval, mm -hmm. and... I have an entire and uh, collect uh, no, I'm sorry, an anthology that I have edited, waiting to be published. Uh, it's in, it's early in production, so we'll probably see it in 2019. Called the Chromatic Court. Yes, tell me more about that. That grew out. So that grew out of an idea uh, where so a couple of years ago, and as part of uh, Reanimatrix, I wrote this story called the Sepia Sepia Prince. Yeah. Um, which sort of postulated that, okay, there's the king in yellow, but maybe there are other avatars of great old ones out there that have assumed colors and titles and arts to their own name. So the Sep Sepia Prince is kind of like the avatar for Cthulhu and, and opera. Um, and I just wrote that, and I included it in, 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 the, in the book, and I really liked that idea, but it was a throwaway. But um, somebody else came forward, uh, Micah Harris, um, and said, why don't you do an entire anthology on that idea? And I want to write a story. So, okay, so we put out a call for stories, and oh, my God, we read hundreds of stories. 
and we got it down to like 25 that we really loved and then we had to cut that down to like 10 and it has been just a labor of love to do this but also very difficult to tell somebody that I love your story, but I have to cut it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, years ago, uh, someone sent me a, a, a rejection notice and said, hey, look, I love your story, but I can't make it work with everything else that's in the book. It just doesn't fit. And I didn't understand that. And then I did this this anthology and I got a whole bunch of modern day stories. I only got one story that was set in a fantasy world. Um. And it just, and, you know, it was a good story. And I, I, and I really enjoyed it and I wanted to do, do something with it, but it just didn't fit the tone of the rest of the book. Um, so I had to, you know, I, I had to explain that and, you know, the person understood. And there was a lot of that doing with this book. Some stories just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, even though they were good stories, they didn't work with the rest of the of the collection. So, and I have asked about that in previous interviews, uh, not only just with you but with others. And how how do you how do you cope uh, either with rejection or rejecting others? Because I hate rejection. Mm-hmm. I Who can't doesn't? stand it. No, no. But, well, you know, rejection is hard as an author. Rejection is really hard. Um, but then what has helped me understand that is doing it from the other end, having to reject things and developing a thick skin in both directions and understanding that often when you get rejected, it's not because the story wasn't any good. It's because it didn't fit with the theme or it didn't fit the the motif that emerged. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, okay, so you didn't make it into this anthology, but congratulations. You've got a story that you can now shop around. Yep. Um, this is, you know, I just mentioned that I have 10 stories waiting to be published and three waiting for approval. And- I, would, I don't have any, I have only one story sitting out there that I can go to uh, to submit to something if it comes up. Okay. I don't, I don't like that. I, I want to have five or six stories. How do you stoke that creative fire? Because that's the one thing that I am stuck on. Like I, I can't, I can, I know I can because I've done that twice, but I mean, I, I finding the, the ignition to, to generate that, that fire to create um and generating it at will i am having difficulty so i drink a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> uh, uh i go to some part of the country where weed is legal at least once every six months mm-hmm. um not that i do that a lot but you know, in, in Portland, it's it's almost you walk down the street and you get a contact high. There's yeah. just no other way. There's nothing around it. And and that does help a little. Um, but sometimes uh, it's just I see the weirdest things. And I, I have a little black book that I wrote write ideas down in that I can then go back and mine. 
for okay. for stories when I need to. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my daughters has just learned to knit. Uh, her her grandmother has taught her to knit, mm-hmm. and she worked on this piece for about two weeks, and. Grammy looked at it and said, "Oh, look! Your 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 knitting has gotten so much better. This stuff at the top, these these loops are awful, but down here they're nice and tight and even. So why don't we take this apart and start all over?" <laughs> and my daughter agreed. And you know what took her two weeks only took her two days. Now oh, that good. Now that she's back in, but in that conversation, the word was used the word tink was used mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell's tink? And it's knit spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. And it's the process of taking something knitted apart so that you can reuse the yarn. The yarn. And now I want to write a story about an industry in a, a post-apocalyptic industry that is taking manufactured knitting knit knitwear mm-hmm. and taking it for raw materials that happens and but you know but think about the world that that would have to be to and you know so i'm building in my head this whole world where tinking mm-hmm. is a profession and you know and i have to i i, I have to i have to think about the 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 famous book Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Spy. Yeah. With, with a completely different meaning for the word tink. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, this is all going into the little black book, and, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Okay. But someday I'll come back to it when it gels and somebody says, well, we're doing this whole, you know, yarn anthology. I'm like, oh, well, I know uh, something about that. Yes. <laughs> It's not much, but I know something about that. Okay. You know, yeah. So yes, the whole idea that, and, and maybe you know, the idea of of sewing something is a magical process, mm-hmm. and binding magic and spells into something. So maybe tinking is the reverse. It, releasing it something. I mean, that would be an interesting idea. But this is this is the process um, of going through. And thinking about things in a different manner, and then just writing them down. And not everything's going to gel, not everything's going to lead to a story. But you build up that black book, and you have it to go to when you need an idea. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway, th- yes, that's that's how I do that. That's how I recharge the batteries and find the interesting ideas. I see them all around me. Um, yeah, that. Um, Man, now you're starting to talk about yarn. That uh, makes me think about the standard four ply and two ply. And uh, again, with your tinking, the repurposed saris, mm-hmm. the ends of the mill to make the silk, though, those mill ends are often used to be woven back into yarn and then sold as sari yarn. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's about the uh, knowledge that I hold regarding thinking and thinking. Yeah. yeah, I had never heard of it before this week, but now I'm sort of fascinated by the idea. Yeah, um, the, I you know I, I've read in the past a whole bunch of stories about 
Um, I can remember there was a story, I think in Asimov's or fantasy and science fiction about making honey and having honey draw from the honeybees, making honey as a competition and having the honeybees cheat by drawing their nectar from nightshade plants or poppies Mm -hmm. so that, yeah, the honey is good, but it's also a little bit of a narcotic. Yes. We all know that there's stories about wood carving where it's magical. And I know that there's some brewing stories about magical brews. Yes. Um, Robert Louis Stevenson with his uh, red heather ale. Yes. And, And, you know, any of these sort of, quasi mystical art forms where you know there's a it's not just a science it's also an art um sacred herbal and yes yeah years yeah exactly beer brewing as, as magic yes um, the, because an evening is not quite so nice without a glass yeah and of, and of course, you know, the idea of weaving something with whether it be Rumpelstiltskin or, or uh, any of these other things that, you know, these stories that we go back, um, that's very magical. So this is the first time I've ever seen some, an idea about undoing that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I, I might actually end up doing it. Well, I don't know when, but I, I might do it. I might do it under a different name. Because I sort of branded Pete Rollick as the mythos guy and need to do something else under a different name. So, yeah. Yeah, now, now is not a time for me to sit there and try to draw anagrams. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I need to come up with. Uh, not to not to um, impose with personal stuff, but I need to come up with a day and a night version of beer flavors competition. Yeah, I'm doing a light and a dark. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, the beer that I go out and have at lunch is very different from the beer that I want at nighttime. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I I want a light fruity beer at lunch. And I want something darker, heavier, with a little bit more kick in the evening. Yes. So, yeah. Quite true. Um, so, um, oh, God, I was going to ask something about uh, when will we expect to see the chromatic cord? Um, I, it's in early production now. I think they're just starting to work on art. So I'm thinking 2019 sometime. It'll be, it'll be a while. Um, this is the, the, the thing that I've learned the hard way is that just because you finish writing the story mm-hmm. or picking the stories, it, that doesn't mean it just you know goes into the computer and they spit out pages and they bind it and it's done. No, you've got to edit and format. And yes. I, the one thing I've suddenly gotten into, into is book design. Mm. book design and layout was something I never even thought about. I thought you just picked the font and justified everything one way and it no. was done. No, you got to <laughs> pick the font and make sure it works with the larger fonts and the smaller fonts. Oh, does it, yes. Does it work with the page number? Does it work with the paper you've picked? Mm-hmm. Oh my, is it easy to read? 
Is it conveying the right feeling? Do, do the header fonts convey the right feeling? What? Yeah. Speaking of book formatting, I just wanted to remind everyone uh, that Chaosium has relaunched their fiction line, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, James Lauder has joined them. And I'm very excited to see what they come up with as I have appreciated the output that he has generated in the past. Yeah. I kind of, I, I'm looking forward to where Chaosium goes. Um, you know, I have to say that I grew up collecting the Chaosium books, uh -huh. the fiction books and the Call of Cthulhu stuff. And it was never a bigger thrill than to see my name in a Chaosium collection. That would be awesome. And then I got to edit a Chaosium collection. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Thrilled. Happy to see that they're back. And yes. I've got some time off from work. And I don't have any projects on the horizon. So I might chew my ideas and send louder a, uh, a note. About I'm something. sure he would appreciate it. I don't know what yet, but you know, <laughs> just, yeah, it's it. You gotta see what's out there. Absolutely, I I know that I I too need to get off my own rump and work on some things that I've kind of started. You know, the generation mm -hmm. of that fire to complete it. It started, and then it just kind of sputters. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I have that problem. I, I start projects and I have a heart, you know, this, I just finished yesterday writing a story for Golden Goblin Press. Mm -hmm. At least I hope that's where it's going to go. Um, but where that story should have taken me a week or two, it probably took me four months and Part of that is because I'm a little distracted by the world right now. Who and, is it? <laughs> and, yeah. And, um, I, but what I ended up doing was I ended up plugging away with, at it a little bit every day. Yeah. You know, even if it was just a paragraph, got, got something on the page and, and then, okay, said, okay, that's what I'm going to do today. And I went off and worked on something that has absolutely no chance of being published. It's just a, 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 a game I'm playing in my head. That, that's kind of what I did do when I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mechanical and rigid about this. I'm, I, I'm going to dedicate 500 words a day. I'm going to generate 500 words a day. And so that 500 words a day gradually devolved into just straight up stream of consciousness crap you know yeah well like, and that happens it happens yeah. but you know it's it's 500 words that you didn't have before true and you know joe pulver says that 500 words is that are crap are better than zero words that are good so or, or something to that effect you can always work with something that you have on the page if yes. you have nothing on the page you have nothing to work with true so so yes, Dennis, I know you're out there. Quit screaming at me through social media. <laughs> <laughs> and write another book, damn it. Yes. Dennis. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. 
But no, seriously, that is um, that is the best advice I can give anybody is, you know, write, write, and write. And That's once you've written, you know, rewrite. Um, but also the other things that you need to consider is that, you know, do what you say you were going to do. If you promise somebody a 5,000-word vampire story by January 1st mm -hmm. and you deliver a 10,000-word werewolf story uh, in yeah. March, mm -hmm. mm, chances are you're not going to get published. It's true. It's true. Ch chances are that that editor is not going to send you more work. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Do what you do what you said you were going to do mm -hmm. is probably the best advice I can give. Yes. Um, I have got you will not believe the amount of work I have gotten based on the fact that some editor has called me up and said, This guy didn't deliver. I needed this story in, in this kind of story with this word count in five days. Wow. And I'm like, okay, but I need you know that's going to kill me for the rest of the week i'm going to need this much and they're like yes because we need the filler we need something to put into that spot you know and it's is it the best work i've ever done no it's is it bad work no it's good work it's just not great work but you know what it pays the bills and it's published and i got you know and i got paid for it yeah so, yeah so yes getting Doing what you said you would do is a big, big part of this business. It might okay. be the biggest part of this business. You can do a lot with a modicum of talent with and just a, a, a adherence to deadlines and goals. Okay. Words that, uh, that, that some of the lesser motivated among us always <laughs> need to hear. Yes. <laughs> you know, and the flip side of that is that which that means that you don't get to go out and play Call of Cthulhu every Friday night. Yeah. Um, which I do, I do miss the, uh, the, the weekly Call of Cthulhu games. Yes. And that's okay. If, if you are going to be a producer of content, it is very hard to be a, a regular consumer of content. Yes. Because you really should be writing. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm at this age where if, if I go out at 9 o'clock and start a, a game at 10 mm -hmm. and that game ends at 4, yes, I am wrecked for the whole rest of the day. You know, I can't, I can't write. You actually do have to have some mental cognizance, you know. Yes. To, 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 to write, it's, it's just like a, can't just pound your head against the keys and expect things to come out. I mean, I ha that does work every once in a while, but. Very rarely. Very rarely, very rarely. So yeah, um, being. Uh, Nothing good comes from it anyway. No. You know, yeah, managed to at my age. generate a little bit, but nothing lasting at all. Um, what else am I doing? I don't know what else I'm doing. What else are you doing? I'm about to take some time off. You are? What are you going to do? I'm going to go get surgery done. Ouch! Yeah. I, I hope it's, I hope it's, it's uh, 
it's Good. minor. Yes. Minor surgery, but okay. I um back in October I caught pneumonia and I coughed mm. myself into an umbilical hernia. Mm. So I'm going to go get that sewn up. But that's gonna take me ten off ten days. Oh man. Yeah. It's not fun. Uh-uh. Um but you know, I, I'm gonna I have this whole stack of books ready to read. And nice. so that's what I'm gonna do. What's your um, reading list? Share it share it with me right now. Uh so right now, probably at the top of my list is the new Centipede Press, Caitlin Kiernan's Lovecraftian retrospect. Um I walked into a uh, library sale the other day, and they had every Preston and Lincoln, Doug Preston and Lincoln Child book mm-hmm. for a dollar a piece. Nice. So I have the Relic and Reliquary and mm-hmm. a few others, but now I just filled in the rest of the collection. So I've got stacks and stacks of that. Nice. Um, I got Ruth Ann Emerson's uh, Winter Tide, I have mm-hmm. to read. Uh, Richard Lee Byers, Hepcats of Ulthar. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, uh, which is, you know, Byers is always fun. Um, both uh, James Lovegrove and Lois Gresh are doing separate Love uh, Cthulhu versus Sherlock Holmes series. So I've got four of those to read right now. Um, so, yeah, what I'm actually going to pick up and read, I don't know. I'm three quarters of the way through um, the Lovecraft middle school books. Um, I bought them for my daughter, but it turns out they're actually halfway decent. So <laughs> I'm reading those. Um, uh, I, I'm going back in time and reading comic books that I read when I was a kid and mm-hmm. still have and making sure that this still is quality stuff that I, I like. Uh, things like Adam Warlock, Mm-hmm. Um, Dreadstar, um, the Micronaut series, uh, Grendel, Warlock 5, uh, which they just rebooted. A uh, company bought it and, and has remade it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mage, Mage is still running. I'm trying to, as a, as a new limited series, I'm trying to catch up so that I can under, remember where everything's going. Um, I'm rereading Sandman. From start to finish, nice. And, uh, you know, but you know, it used to be in little comic books, and now I've got these giant volumes that can be used as weapons, yes, uh, or or armor, depending on what you're what you're in the mood for. So yeah. you know, it's if if you if you're reading the book like this and you drop it, it can actually hurt you this at this point. Yes, yes. So, mm. Man, I think I think the last. Um, graphic novel, you know, the, the compendium, the hardcover compendiums, um, big collections. I don't remember what they're called, but, um, I think they're compendiums, but the nameless one, I finally picked that up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I read that. That was, that was fun. Um, a Lovecraftian Mm -hmm. book that, uh, doesn't name drop Lovecraftian. Yeah. My feet are cramping up for some reason. Oh, so I'm trying to stretch them out as we sit as we sit here. Okay. Um, no big deal. Okay. Um, so I was going to say, if you, if you need to take a break, I can I, I can know. sit here and talk oh. about talk about Bird's Coffee Company. Bird's there's Coffee. A, there's a 
brew for every birdie and you can migrate the flock on down to birds. Is this your sponsor? Yes. Okay. Birds Coffee Company. Yes. It's amazing how much, how much coffee and gaming goes together these days. Absolutely. Uh, I was, I'm really surprised. Um, well, not only coffee, but beer goes with gaming very yes. well. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, when I was a kid and Dungeon and Dragons started, you know, I was a kid. So the best we could have was a Coke and uh -huh. or Pepsi. And then as I moved into college, we got Jolt. Jolt Ooh. Coke, right? which is like all the caffeine and twice the sugar or something like that. Oh, yes. And But now, you know, gaming – and fan is is an adult business, mm -hmm. and um, so it's not surprising to me that coffee and alcohol mm -hmm. have come a long way to to catch up with gamers. Yes. Um, so yeah, in fact, I have a I have a bottle of that Lovecraft uh, whiskey that um, the Lovecraft Brewery put out. Oh, the oh Never man! Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a bottle. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't opened it yet, but I have a bottle. Oh man, that is going to be wonderful. But speaking of coffee, you can find your very own package <laughs> of Legends of Tabletop Coffee. It's approved <laughs> by the Game Master Legend Zone. Game Master Neil, the owner and roaster at Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. And you can find that at birdscoffeecompany.com slash copies slash Legends of Tabletop Legendary Brew. Or you can just go to legendsoftabletop.com, the top of the page. It's got its very own link. It says Legends of Tabletop Coffee right there. And it's wonderful. It says coffee to fuel all the marathon gaming sessions. Legendary Brew is a smooth, easy drinking, medium roast. You can keep going back for cup after cup. And best yet, a portion of the proceeds goes directly to the Legends of Tabletop Gaming and Podcast Network to help them continue to deliver hours of entertainment every week for free. And yeah. <laughs> So I hope you. I hope that gave you enough time to get your feet taken care of. No, they're they're cramped up. They're cramped up good, but I'm just gonna keep stretching Stand. them out. Okay. So yeah, if you push see, push on through. Mm. Hmm. I, I I don't want to watch you wince in pain. No, it's okay. All right. I'll solve that problem. Okay. Uh, the dog is. I was laying on the floor so that the yes. dog would have some company. Uh huh. And now he's sound asleep. Oh, good. Oh. So you're going to quietly move across the room. Walk across the room and sit down at the table. Okay. And make little fists with my feet. Okay. And I hope they stretch out somehow. I hope they too. Otherwise, I'm just going to take a hammer and a nail. No. <laughs> so what else? What else? What else? Um... I don't know. I mean, isn't that enough? Isn't a novel, Never. a collection, an anthology, and ten short stories enough? Never. Never. And, and see, and this is the problem 
with writers because you finish something, you produce it, you, you hand it to the publisher or you hand it to the, the audience and they read it and they say, hey, that was great. What else you got? Yes. And you're like, uh, you know, how about I don't have a life? How about I haven't seen my kids you know, in the daylight for three months? Mm -hmm. um, you know, those, you know, it's, there's got to be a balance, but, you know, writers are driven sort of to, to constantly produce. And it may not always be the best thing for us. Yeah. You know, sometimes, know. Well, sometimes we have to recharge and sometimes we actually have to stop and, and look back and, and read what's in the genre and mm -hmm. read stuff that's outside the genre. So we can yeah. you know, recharge and find new ideas and get, and get new perspectives and see what other people are doing with their writing and literature and, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, and sometimes, you know, I just really need to sit down and take a day and do 12 loads of laundry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that one completely. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Laundry is important. The never ending chore. It is, it is. And uh, you know, I have seen too many people who have forgotten to do their laundry. Oh no. Yes, you know, at, mostly at cons, but, ah. know, but yes, it helps. You know. mm -hmm. um, I recently went to a local film festival. Yeah? Negative Fest. How did, um, how did that play out? Um, it was interesting. I saw a movie that was really well acted and directed and horrific, and I never want to see it again. What was it? It was called Trauma. Okay. And it is set in Chile, and it is about three women who take a trip to the to the to get away in the in the woods. Oh, that that doesn't and work well for anybody. No, I don't <laughs> know why people go to the woods in the first place. It, it never works out. It's it's great there. No, no what's it great? No, oh. she dies. She dies. Everybody dies. Oh, yes. And it's it's just two hours of horrific bloodbaths and and torture. It's, it's it's a really good film, but it's just not to my taste. Um, other films like uh, uh there's a, a film called Bloodfest. Oh, uh, but that one was okay. Well, it, it's a horror comedy. <laughs> it's, okay, it's about kids who go to the greatest horror convention on the planet and they go into the festival grounds and the gates are shut behind them and you know the chainsaws come out okay. and you know there's there's clown land and the graveyard and you know there's vampires all the little tropes yes yeah you know and it, it's done as a comedy but it's done really really well okay. um Watched a movie out of Germany, I think, called Snowflake, which didn't just break the fourth wall, it broke all the walls. Um, oh. Literally, the villains of the film get a copy of the script. Okay. Then the script is being written by somebody in the film. Uh, <laughs> so they can read what's going on and what's going to happen, and they can influence what's going to happen by okay. having the script rewritten. Um, very interesting idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think well executed. Um, I, I would recommend it to other people. Uh, I, I might not sit through it again because it, you know, it is in multiple languages. Um, 
So, you know, one of the things I love is when you're reading subtitles, but you know the language that's being spoken. Oh. And it's not quite right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Or, you know, or there's not only subtitles and and it's, but it's also been dubbed and the Mm. two don't match. Yes. Because they're done by two different sets of people. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of unsettling for me to, to try and figure out, well, he said this, but then the subtitle said this, and that's sort of, which is right, because they sort of mean two different things. Yeah. Different impacts. I, I get that, what you're saying about um, translation, because, I mean, specifically, uh, W.G. Siebel, um, I've read two translated two different translated works by him, one done by the gentleman that did the Rings of Saturn, the translator that did that, and then another by someone else, and it just didn't have that same voice to it. And then went back and read another item by the same translator that did Rings of Saturn, and then it clicked. And and I enjoyed that work, so there yeah. you go. I I get what you're saying about translations yeah. in that manner. So. Yeah, and, and so yeah, I mean, this movie was good. I kind of got it, um, and it was enjoyable. It was sort of I'm not really sure it was a horror film. I think more of a dark fantasy, but it was you know, it, and it's an interesting interesting idea. Um, yeah, those were the highlights. There was a lot of short films that I kind of enjoyed. Um, uh, there, I think there was a movie called it was it wasn't called Insomnia. I think it was called a, a a short walk or something like that about a guy who can't sleep, so he goes for a walk and he's mm-hmm. constantly on his phone and just out of you know out of the corner of his eye he keeps seeing things uh-uh. and, until you know he realizes that and he thinks he's just it, you know hallucinating, so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he finally starts to panic and run. Yeah. It's a good little thing. Okay. Uh, I got these. Oh, no. Bless you in advance. Thank you. Uh, All right. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been kind of doing. Um, working on a secret project with our friend Sal. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Um, we're going to see. He's, uh, I did the the general outline and idea and he's handling the day-to-day writing and we'll see what that does. Okay. And I may have to harass him about that. Yeah. Do so. Okay. Um, Especially now that it's summer. Yes. And you know, Sal, our friend Sal works at a comic book store. So mm-hmm. like every week he brings me a stack of comics and says, here, throw shove those into my face and says, read these. And I'm like, Oh, you know, consume, 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 and, you know, please, you know, I'm, I'm really into binge watching now because I'd rather, oh, no. when I get four hour block where I need to stop writing, I can then just watch, I don't know, uh, Jessica Jones or Midsummer Murders or Luke Cage or uh, Death in Paradise uh, and just enjoy that and not have to worry about catching up with the next episode when it, when it's available. Uh, see, that's something that has eluded me. I mean, there's a television behind me, a large television downstairs, but I never, 
prefer watch them. Yeah. And yeah. It's just I'd rather read something and, so the, and the, look at something. So. The, the weird thing is that um, when I was starting to write, um, I would do it on a laptop in a coffee bar. And this is before we had Starbucks. Ah. So I would sit at a coffee bar at the bar and work on the laptop writing with a band playing three feet away, and, you know, conversation and orders being thrown around all around me. So I sort of like this idea of having noise okay. that I can tune in and out as I write. That's, that's, I get that because um, that, that kind of strikes me occasionally if you're in a group and then right. it's just like this narration faucet has turned on. Right. right. So, you, so I, I can't, go to coffee bars as much as I used to because um, I'm not single and, you know, fluid with cash anymore. <laughs> but I can sit at my desk and have the TV on and listen listen or watch something that I've seen three or four times. I know how it's going to end. I don't need to pay that much attention to it. Yeah. But it provides a modicum of noise to cancel out whatever else is going on in the house. It provides a little bit of distraction and I will change what I watch based on what I'm writing. If I'm writing a mystery, I'll watch a, a classic mystery or uh, if I'm writing dialogue, I'll write something with good dialogue. I'll, I'll watch something with good dialogue. Um, so, <laughs> If you're reading a book and you know it's just like, hey, this patter sounds just like something out of Nero Wolf, chances are I was watching Nero Wolf. Uh -huh. uh, you know, and I have I have accidentally typed, you know, the the name Barnaby into my story. <laughs> and no, I am not writing a Midsummer Mur Murders no. story. But you know, <laughs> yeah, damn it, he was on. So Yes, that's the good. That's why I have to go back and read my reread my stuff. Yeah. Because um, every once in a while, what I'm watching creeps in a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, that that's one thing that is kind of uh, a stickler for me is that I have to read it out loud mm -hmm. many times. It's like okay, that's the interruption in the flow. I've got to fix it. You know. Over yeah. and over and over. Yeah, and reading out loud is a great tool. It's something more writers should practice. So. I, I, I hope so, because I, I've sat in on workshops and people set up and, and start to read what they've created, and it just... Yeah, you can see the stumbling block. Right? Yeah. You and can see where that they, they didn't really think this out. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it would be a good idea. It's just uh, on paper and then in speech, they're two different things. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, you know, and, you know, you know, there is some poetry. You know, the, the, when I grew up, I was taught that poetry is meant to be spoken. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. Okay. I, there's a lot of poetry that is meant to be spoken. Um, there's a lot of poetry that's very lyrical. Yes. 
Um, and there's a lot of spoken word stuff by William S. Burroughs and Laurie Anderson um, that really just flows as part of, as a, a spoken word. But then you get into things like E.E. E. Cummings and um, uh, Daniel Zazowski, uh House of Leaves, where the the text is designed to be on the page okay. and it's not designed it, it's not necessarily meant to be read aloud okay. um and there's there's some wordplay that works on the page but because the words are synonyms mm -hmm. you will never be able to express that um aloud, aloud. yes yeah. so you can say the word arrival that means oh, you know someone arriving i have arrived i have arrived right but if you say if you write on the page the word arrival a rival parentheses are parent close parentheses rival so it's a rival yes that means someone who's opposing you um, but at the same time, also implying that that person has just arrived. You can't do, it's very hard to explain that without seeing it on the page. Yes. So, you know, these are literary tricks and poetry tricks and that are designed specifically for the medium that they're being expressed in, not necessarily the, the, the written word. Um, yeah. So yes, and I, you know, this is this came to the forefront because the one piece that I have that's sitting out there that I can't find any place does a lot of this, a lot of uh -huh. that kind of wordplay, um, that just hasn't found a, a home yet. Not that I've sent it to anybody, but it just hasn't found a home yet. Okay. So, you no, know, it was uh, Michael Cisco did a reading of his novel Unlanguage. Oh gosh, yes. About four years ago at the uh, the, the uh, Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. And, you know, that, that inspired a little bit of, of avant-garde wordplay uh, in my head. And, you know, I think it's a good piece. I just don't know what to do with it. Okay. So, but yes, wordplay can be fun on the yes. page as opposed to in the spoken word. That's true. That's true. And I've just, I've just been attacking it from spoken and on the page, but not just strictly to one format or the right. other. Right. And I kind of limited myself that way, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, anyway. The, the, the place I think that that's for, for me, where you see that the most is like the word Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. you look at that word on the page and you're like, how the hell do I say that? Yes. And there, there was a, uh, a segment of Lovecraft Easing uh, podcasts about the correct pronunciation of Lovecraftian gods. And I yes. greatly appreciated that one. So, I mean, a great deal of our vocabularies, our individual vocabularies are generated in silence by reading to oneself and yeah. just, just what, knowing how they're correctly pronounced. Uh, I mean, for me, that that was a great help in, in being able to express myself fully and 
verbally. Yes. Uh, so growing up, uh, it wasn't until I was in college that I discovered that the word Ari was pronounced awry. <laughs> Yes. Because nobody in my community ever used the word awry, and mm -hmm. I only read it. Oh. So, yes, until you hear, you know, for some of these, you know, even in English and German and French, until you hear somebody else speak this word, you don't know how it sounds. Yes. There are lots of words like that. Okay. Oh. Well, uh Kate, uh, I was just going to say, um, how, how are you feeling? How am uh, I feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling? Because I, I was just going to say, I appreciate you taking your the time out of your Friday evening to speak with me over here at Legends of Tabletop, and I greatly appreciate it. Well, I thank you for having me. It's been a while since I've been on. I'm feeling a little anxious, man. <laughs> feeling at, uh, not at ease. You know, the, the quote from Gross Point Blank. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, you know, this. we live in a very strange and upsetting, unsettling world right now. Yes. And I'm having to find a new way to find a, a, a new place of stability and new coping mechanisms to make things work. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, there's a Chinese curse that says, may you live in interesting times. Oh gosh. You know, and that, you know, I would much rather not live in interesting times. I would much rather live in stable and serene times. Mm -hmm. Maybe boring, but you know, kind of like boring. Kind of know what's going to happen. I, I want to wake up every day and know that we're not at war. You know, just, yeah. Mm. Yes. And, and, and with that, I, I am going to, to close this interview <laughs> with a, a, a thank you very much for your time. And uh, in order to stay in touch with what's going on over here at Legends of Tabletop, if you like what you hear and like what you see, don't forget to like and subscribe. And again, thank you. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.